You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I'm Gemma, I help connect business with tech talent and today I'm your host. And welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined with Andrea, Samoa, Jenny and Nestrine to talk about the best practices of diversity. Like usual, we're going to start by going around the room and introducing ourselves. Andreas, would you like to kick us off? Yes, uh, really nice to join in today. So uh, I work uh, within talent acquisition, talent management and uh, project management within diversity and inclusion and I work uh, today at Banya News Tech. Uh, Banya News is the, the leading uh, media house in the Nordic region, and the, which has like a tech organization around 300 people. So that's where I spend my days. Yeah. Perfect. And Moa? Moa? Yes, uh, my name is Moa Pajstotter, and I work at Vinova, which is the Swedish innovation agency where my job is to support my colleagues and our external partners to achieve um, system transformation. And what is that, you might wonder? Well, it means we need to have an holistic approach towards innovation. And my specific focus is on uh, gender equality and inclusion, um, because that is not just a driving force for innovation, but also a crucial part of a sustainable society. Lovely, and Jenny? Yes, hello. I'm Jenny. I am an engineering manager working at Canby, who is a sportsbook provider. Uh, I've been very interested and passionate about diversity and inclusion for many years, and it comes from working in a male-dominated business such as tech. Uh, and here at Canby, I am now driving the engineering diversity and inclusion group. Uh, and I have been doing similar things for the past six years in other tech companies as well. Perfect. And last but by no means least, Nisreen. Hello, my name is Nisreen. I am a technical product manager I'm working at Google. I've been in the tech industry for the last 14 years. So similar to Jenny, um, I've been like a, both in engineering as well as research uh, for the last 14 years, which is a domain highly dominated with uh, with men. So it's definitely something that is close to my heart to discuss diversity with you and uh, try to leverage the gap. Perfect. Thank you so much for introducing yourselves. Let's move on now to the topic in hand. So each of you have perfect prepared a topic or some question to talk about in the podcast and um, I'm going to pick um, Moe to start. Would you like to introduce your topic and give us a bit of an insight to why you would like to talk about it? Yeah sure. <clears throat> so um, I am currently working at Vinova with a, a program or a field that I am specifically passionate about when it comes to diversity tech and, and gender equality. And that is uh, how new emerging technologies such as AI uh, can be used to promote gender equality and uh, diversity and inclusion. Um, so until now, efforts done within the area of AI and diversity have primarily focused on challenges linked to the underrepresentation of women and minorities working in the AI field and also gender-related bias in machine learning, such as um, uh, AI algorithm algorithms and uh, uh, based bias datasets, but also ethical issues regarding objectives, uh, implementation strategies, impacts, and so on. And, and don't get me wrong, this is uh, very important matters and very important topics. But um, let's say, if we just focus on this, we might see the, the big risks with AI being um, an argument for not see how AI or new emerging technologies can be used to make good, how it actually can be used to promote diversity and gender inclusion, gender and inclusion. Um, so, I mean, we have been hoping that advancing technology 
would move our societies beyond human prejudice and create a more equal and just world. Um, but big data, after all, ought to be objective. But again and again, we've seen these biases of our old system creeping into our new ones as well. Uh, from, from job recruiting software that favors man, male candidates or facial recognition that can't read different skin tones. Basically, smart technology hasn't always been that smart. But what we want to do in this program or initiatives that we called AI to promote gender equality is to see how AI can be used to do good, to promote or increase gender equality. So we are using another approach than just focusing on, on the risk or the lack of representation from uh, women and minorities. Because we think that if we if we say that we can actually use this technology to make good, to create diversity in the tech field, to create a better society, then we would get new kinds of technologies. We would get new kinds of business opportunities, and we will also make more people, uh, more women, more minorities interested in the tech field, in, in AI and these kind of uh, technologies. So we we started the, the program with <clears throat> uh, doing two reports together with Women in AI and, and Rambol to examine how, how could AI contribute to this area, to the area of uh, diversity and, and gender equality? What are the barriers? Which actors should collaborate? And what are their existing, uh, existing examples of applications out there? So we are, we are just in the beginning of this, but we have already found some uh, key enabling factors, which is that we need to have um, global cooperation among problem owners, AI experts, gender experts and entrepreneurs. We can't have only um, tech people doing uh, AI. We need to have this cross-sector collabor collaboration going on. Um, but we also know uh, that we need to have a norm critical perspective in the development process or in the innovation process to make sure that, that the data we, we use uh, is not biased and the, the, the data that we that we create and do new solutions from actually being smart. And we need um, to have relevant data and and to have a track of the regulation so that we enabling innovation. So th this is uh, this is what I am working working with right now and uh, uh, focusing on right now. So. This is yeah, this is the, the, the passion that I have and the program that I would like to hear your thought, thoughts on. Uh, what do you think when you hear hear about this approach? Um, how do you get inspired? Do you, do you, do you see risks? Do you see opportunities? Um, yeah, that, that, that's what I brought to this podcast to discuss with you all. Amazing. Um, Andreas, what do you think about that? I think it's a yeah really really interesting uh, subject uh, with AI uh, that uh, I mean um, I've listened to some some podcasts of uh, for instance like Max Tegmark and uh, other really like Lex uh, Friedman uh, around like AI and uh, like the impact that it already does and like the the vision for the future and, and that it's uh, it's coming really quickly and uh, and uh, but I'm at the same time when it comes to diversity, I'm very new to uh, to those thoughts. So I think it's a very interesting and uh, and uh, to see like uh, yeah, and, and interesting and very important as I mean as we see it's a very growing subject. So just uh, very curious to hear more about this. I'd be really happy to. To uh, talk to you more, like after the podcast as well. Very curious about this topic. And, uh, Lovely. Um, um, Jenny, do you have any thoughts? Uh, yeah, well, I am also um, somewhat aware of this uh, this topic about AI, uh, since I worked with teams working with AI before, and uh, you know, you have this new thing, and you want to create it free from bias. 
but then you have to train your models on existing data and that data is biased uh, and it's the the real struggle but we all know that uh, if you have a diversified uh, number of uh, people and data then we can draw better conclusions and we have more uh, creative thinking when you have different opinions and backgrounds clashing to create new innovations so it's really uh, interesting to hear that you're working with this uh, like for real and that you're uh, doing some something to to work against the, that bias uh, from data because even if you think that data is unbiased because it's just data but it is biased it's really biased so it's super interesting to hear Lovely. And Nessarine, any ideas for sort of how, how you can do this or make it? Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, actually, uh, inclusive product is definitely something that is part of our DNA. So uh, at Google, for example, we have a mission. Our mission is to organize the world's information and make it widely accessible and useful to people, to everyone. So it actually includes developing product for everyone. And what we mean by everyone is actually everyone, so all representation. This would not be possible if we did not work toward like representative workspace or workforce. So in order to build products that are inclusive and that include everyone, we need to get that perspective and that representation of everyone within the workspace itself. So it's very important to target the inclusivity of the product to have a or at least work toward it. So it's definitely something that uh, still like can be improved, of course, and uh, it has like both benefit for for the for the business and also for the product and the inclusivity aspect. Lovely and oh, I can hear myself. Um, lovely and Mawa, any thoughts to come back on any of those ideas? Any last comments? No, I, I mean, I, I think it's great that you all, all think that it's an interesting field. That mean, because I think one of the most important thing about this uh, approach is to scale the knowledge about it, uh, to make more people using this approach, because it, it yeah, as I said in the beginning, um, there have been a lot of focusing on on the fact that we have biased data set, on the fact that there are um, not enough women or minorities in this field, but we can't have all the focus on those issues or, or challenges we also need to, to think uh, in these terms and we need to be more people doing that to really create um, a change and 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 uh, yeah tackle the problem that Jenny brought up the biased data sets but also what what we can see uh, working with this is that it's the, the solutions or, or the the prototypes of the uh, the AI solutions that the level of innovation is very high because we get these cross-sector collaboration from the early beginning. We have the gender experts being part of the of the development in the beginning and it's not being a, a perspective that's being added on in the end, but it's actually something that's being uh, um, along the way from, from start. And also what we can see then is the lack of data. Uh, we've seen, for example, if we look into the health industry, there's a lot of uh, data uh, missing when it comes to uh, women's health, for example. So by using this approach, we can also tackle uh, and and uh, and yeah, get these kind of issues to the surface. So I'm just I'm just happy that I have allied in the network, uh, wanting to spread and and continue working with this kind of approach and see how we can use AI to uh, promote gender equality and diversity. Amazing! Thank you for that. Um, Jenny, should we move on to your question? Uh, yeah, sure. So. Uh... My key to uh, work for diversity and inclusion is to actually look at hard facts. Is that look, count, be uh, prepared to count numbers at your company. Actually look at your employees and ask them how they feel about it. So what that means is to start, like, count how many numbers of female coworkers do we have? and count that on different levels and also look at the age group. Do we have ageism on the company? 
and do we discriminate certain groups? Are young people not existent and they don't have an environment where they feel included? Or do we don't not have any older people working? Uh, and also look at how and use your eyes when you look at the employees as well. Do we look like we come from the same place? Do we look homogeneous? Or are people feeling free to express themselves uh, for the personality in how uh, we dress or how we talk, what we talk about, not ju just during work meetings, but at lunches and or over a coffee. Uh, so the, the numbers, the stats you can find and then you have to look. Um, an example is that I saw um, another tech company. This was a couple of years ago. They had recruiting uh, people for a trainee program. And when they posted a picture um, uh, of this new trainee program, what struck me was that it was 14 people that all looked the same. They were the same age, about the same age. They were the same gender. They wore the same type of clothes. Even their hair color was almost all had the same type of hair color with, with one few exceptions. And so if that's how you're recruiting for your workforce, then you're not getting diversity. So use your eyes and ears and count the numbers to, to actually find out what your company is, uh, how diversified your company is. And then also, uh, the next step to me is to actually ask your employees, how do they feel? Do they feel like we have a diversified company? Do they feel included? And how can we do it better? Uh, and uh, on this uh, topic, uh, just before Christmas, me and a colleague of mine did a survey for all women in engineering at Canby. That's about it, the engineering department is uh, one of the biggest that can be, we're like 350 people. So we asked uh, about 70 uh, women uh, across different countries that works in engineering and analytics uh, to see how they are feeling. Do they feel, have they ever felt that they've been treated differently because of their gender? Um, have they ever experienced inappropriate behavior at work? Um, have, and then we also included some uh, examples of how that can look like, because some people are so used to being treated differently that we don't think about it as being treated differently anymore. So the first question was the more general, have you ever felt treated differently because of your gender? And we got some answers saying yes. And then a couple of questions later, there was a, a question like, have you ever felt that you've been talked over your head, that people tend to turn to your male colleague with questions instead of to you? And then more people said, yes, I've experienced this. And then not understanding that that is actually being treated differently because of your gender. And of course, um, this was a, a gender equality focused survey, but it's important to do it with all types of diversity. Uh, questions. So just be uh, brave enough to ask how it feels because we're so very good at assuming uh, things like it's like generally like this and often if we work in a company that we like we think that we're better than average without even without having the, the actual fact to to say that we do uh, behave better than average. So those are my, my first two tips on um, creating diversity. Lovely. Um, Nesserine, do you have any thoughts on what Jenny just said? That totally resonates with me. Uh, actually, I, I totally agree with the fact that we definitely need to avoid unconscious bias, like all these assumptions that people are happy or we are diverse or better than others. The best is to rely on data and this data can be collected with surveys, with uh, any type of information that you can uh, get, of course, from your employee. And by the way, I just wanted to add that usually big company or like company usually have two big missions. First is, of course, to hire diverse employees. So we want to have that diverse 
diversity. So in tech, there is a huge challenge, of course, to bring more women. But the second challenge, which for me is also extremely important, as important as the first, is to retain them, make them stay. Uh, and because you make a huge effort to bring women to uh, your workplace and then it's a pity if they leave. And by the way, there is a, a new research done by Accenture that show that 50% of women who take a tech role in the US will drop it by the age of 35. There's definitely something going wrong here at the time when the tech role are so important today. So the question is more about like how to retain women today. It's important to create a business environment that support women in their career. This could be of course done through mentoring, coaching, uh, support group, or sometimes just by start talking about it as a problem. So that's why I like like the fact of asking, meaning that I'm open to change it. I'm open to, I'm seeing that there is an issue and let's work together toward making it better instead of hiding it and making some assumption that things are going well. Amazing. Andreas, you're nodding your head. What do you think about this? Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's yeah, really interesting thoughts from you, Jenny and Nasreen on this, uh, about having a survey to the, to the employees and to uh, specifically towards women in the organization. I thought that was a really interesting idea that uh, we'll definitely bring with us as well. We, we did uh, in Bonnie News now uh, for the second year in a row, we did a survey on diversity and inclusion, which is uh, quite uh, in, in Bonnie News tech, that, that is like the 300 people in the tech organization. So that's quite an extensive survey that we did, uh, which is both like uh, gives us a lot of like quantitative stats on, uh, on different dimensions of diversity, but also on every question, we also have a, a qualitative uh, a possibility of uh, commenting. And, uh, and the, what you bring up as like, I mean, how so many different perspectives we have on the actual um, yeah how how things are in the organization how we perceive the organization at this very moment and how different it can be between different departments different teams and uh, from certain like individuals that might say that I, I feel everything feels like really great like we we handle everything perfect and i don't see any problem and then and then you see a next comment which is a completely different uh, reality where you see that like you really need more support so so like it's either it's so important to uh, to really uh, yeah, have those service in the organization and have them continuously and also see along the way how things change and hopefully towards the better uh, when following up and benchmarking year to year and so on. So it's a big topic, but uh, yeah, really interesting. Amazing. And Maui? Yeah, I think uh, I think what uh, Nasreen was talking about, the, the fact that we need to make women stay uh, within the tech industry I mean, it's not about women not being interested, it's about them leaving the field too early. And I mean, then to have these kind of tools that, that Jenny's talking about is, is, is crucial um, to make sure that we don't have a toxic work environment. But also it would be very interesting to see if we can develop different kinds of, of tools, except from, from service to see what kind of informal or formal meetings women or minorities do not get access to, for example. Uh, how can we can we measure I mean, now we're now we have a lot of data in in our different kind of of you know uh, mails and and meetings, uh, video meetings, and all these kind of uh, uh, yeah virtual communication that we are using since the pandemic and 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 so on. Um, where where uh, where are these being hold? What what kind of times? Uh, I mean, who's taking care of uh, of kids? You know how do you plan the work days everything these kind of data would be um, very useful to collect and to, to get a measure of how gender equal or inclusive is a specific work workplace and and that could help us to yeah make make the non-represented to stay longer in the field yeah Perfect. sorry jenny <laughs> let's carry on yeah definitely i agree with you Mola. Uh, that the the second step or, or something like that. So I'm, I'm 
referring to like what I would advise someone to take as first steps. And also to comment on you, Andreas, we do we did have a DNI day for the whole company in October mm. last year, and we did um, a, um, a company wide uh, diversity and inclusion uh, survey uh, together mm. with that as well. But this was more specific for mm. the one type of diversity, the the mm. gender, because then you can ask more specific questions yeah. because it's hard yeah. to target and and put your finger on the exact problem. Uh, when you are phrasing questions that are supposed to be for for everyone, if you feel included because your age or your uh, background or nationality or religion or sexual orientation or whatever, but so then they become very general. But that, that's why I love it. Um, it's been really interesting to doing this for for my organization here at Canby. And now we're going to do it for another, the the other big organization within Canby very soon, now in April. So it's uh, very interesting to see. Uh, and then we can compare results. How is it, is it in, in engineering versus trading? Uh, both of them are very male-dominated businesses, but very different from each other. Amazing. Um, Andreas, would you like to introduce us to your question? Yes. So um, my question was uh, that it was actually like part of it was uh, connected to this uh, this surveying that we just uh, spoke about now because uh, we were uh, talking uh, me, me and Sophie who is not in the podcast now but uh, in at evolution around uh, understanding where your company is uh, do you ask your employees how they think and uh, and i think uh, so i can give a little bit of a background so in uh, in bonnier news tech which is uh, around 300 people we have a, a diversity and inclusion group which meets every second week where we discuss and and this group it consists of anyone who is interested in the topic in at Bonnier News Tech. So the, everything from team managers to uh, developers and UX to me from the, the talent organization. And uh, we uh, uh, we try to like really cover a broad span of initiatives within diversity and inclusion in organization. And we want uh, really a continuity when it comes to diversity inclusion that we always uh, have it like on, on top of the agenda in the organization. And uh, and with uh, so so one key I would say like uh, on on uh, the yearly cycle is like the survey where we really ask the organization around everything from like leadership to communication to your like uh, for instance if you have a uh, like non-visible disabilities how uh, like uh, yeah how you how you feel about being at the organization how do you feel about the culture how do you um how do you see the different uh, different domains of uh, there are questions around like uh, also like gender diversity connected questions and uh, so it's quite an extensive uh, survey and we have had a uh, quite a, like a high representation of uh, res respondents, uh, respondents, responding people, uh, which means also that we have had quite a lot good material for us to build on, like which focus areas should, should we have? Because you can do a million of things within diversity, but what should we really, what should we focus on? And uh, and then we. Um, uh, yeah, so so that gives you a good foundation uh, for us, and um, so so that's uh, one part. I also would like to uh, because I was also thinking of some general like best practices that we uh, we've been discussing in the in the group, which I also wanted to share, um, and some some best practices that we see is uh, like having like really i think we talked about this some minutes ago but like daring to address what we need to to work on in the organization that we have an open climate uh, in the organization um and um so so that's something which we we really continuously also address 
in our communication with the organization within the organization and that's also through the survey that's it's, that's something we also through the survey we want to inspire for people to really bring up all the thoughts and um, and uh, i think that's um, th those are some some keys uh, for us um, um, and if i would just give a, like a reflection on the survey that we did one year ago we we had uh, two questions with a free like where, where you could comment anything you you thought around like the topic of diversity and what should we focus on for the coming period this year we changed it to having on every certain topic we had a free text so you could comment on everything from like leadership to uh, the, the different topics that we had and i would say for anyone who makes a survey uh to the organization i think like having those qualitative answers having the possibility to answer qualitative is really really great uh for the survey that's something really important yeah amazing so. and now what do you think i mean i i think it sounds very interesting uh and and it would be be cool to uh, i mean how has this would you say change the way or yeah change the way or develop the way you are working with these matters uh, with this new strategic approach um yes i would say i mean it gives us much more a foundation of where to to put focus in the organization uh it gives a lot of substance to when we're talking to the whole organizations i mean we do that two or three times a year we talk with the whole organization we present the results from the survey and how we work with each of those topics that uh, that we see as the central topics that come through the survey so i mean having that uh, as a foundation uh it has uh, yeah, developed how we work and it also really shows how different we all think even if we think that we are like a bit like a homo uh, homogeneous group it's uh it really shows that there's like the, the diversity of thought we we all see i mean even the actual questions you can perceive a question in so many ways and that's that's why you cannot only have the one to ten uh, quantitative uh, measure because what does it actually mean? You need the qualitative comments to actually understand how the people perceive those questions. So. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's super interesting as a best best practice because I feel often when you when you answer a survey at your workplace, you wonder, okay, so where did my answers go? What will happen with this? What kind of analysis mm. are being done and and so on? So making it a more um, a way of, of, of creating momentum and engaging people and really mm. continuously working with the answers. I mean, that's that's super interesting. And also to um, to see how that can can get more people involved to understand that you cannot just have this uh, gender diversity and inclusion team working with these matters on mm. the side, but it, it mm. has to be an ownership uh, okay. from each and one of us. Exactly. That's something uh, very important you're pointing to. I think for me, I, I spend, uh, I have five working hours uh, every week that I spend on this topic. And I think that's actually a key because if everyone would just do it on the side of their normal work, it's mm. really hard to keep that momentum uh, because some topics will require quite a lot of time. So you need to have time that you can invest in this. Mm. So that's, uh, that's a key for sure. Mm. Perfect. And Nessarine, what do you think? Oh, you're, you're on mute. mute. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Uh, yeah, totally agree. I mean, uh, definitely collecting data is key, but then uh, what do you do with the data is even better. So I, I agree with the fact that you need to openly share it, openly discuss it. If you see a bad trend, also discuss it as an issue and as a challenge to improve. Uh, so it's very important to collect uh, like current data, but uh, it's even better to compare it, to look at the trend. Are we doing better? Are we in a good uh, trend or are we even declining? In that case, it's even something uh, more urgent to, to fix. So I agree with the three points, like collecting the data, adding the trend and openly sharing it. 
At Google, for example, we have uh, groups. Uh, one of them is called Women at uh, Women at Google. It's actually a huge group of uh, women that uh, have the possibility to meet, and they are from different uh, big number of countries, of course, and they can meet and uh, discuss all these challenges in a in an open way. Uh, so it's very important to create, explicitly create the opportunity and the space for underrepresented group or any any type of group to discuss the challenge in a, in a safe and psychological uh, safe environment. Amazing. And Jenny, any thoughts? Oh, you're on mute too. <laughs> I, of course, I'm a fan of uh, you asking uh, the questions that I do in the survey. Um, and I agree with both Mo and Nesrina of how, uh, what you need to do uh, also after asking the question. Uh, but I'd like to ask you, Andreas, uh, what has uh, surprised you the most uh, with the, the answers? Hmm. Um, I think, yeah. What has surprised me the most? Oh, I, I, I don't know if it's a surprise, but actually, but I, I mean, the dimension of how different we perceive our reality in the organizations. And um, I mean, uh, I think we, one, one uh, initiative, we will actually address this in a couple of weeks in, the, in this uh, evolution podcast when it comes to more the perspective of uh, engaging more men in the organization uh, within diversity work. Uh, because like one thing that struck me is like how that when we engaged a lot of men, the, there's so, so many different ways of uh, perceiving what needs to be done or, or if there is a, an issue or if there's, there's not an issue. Like some, some people might see that like uh, I don't feel any problem I, I see it, it has worked for so many years when I've been here and then the next person like really sees this every day and see like feels the urgency and it's so it's so you can have, yeah that's uh, like have Hansen has so different perspectives on this and uh, and uh, I think that uh, one challenge is that if you are a privileged group which is like in tech men are like a privileged group men are like the the majority in most teams it's it can be really hard to to feel the urgency to feel like that something needs to be changed because you don't feel it yourself so it's like that you need to feel it yourself to really feel that okay we need to do something so that's something we really we talk a lot about this in the organization that we yeah about privileged groups and uh, and the challenge in this yeah i totally hear you um one thing uh, on the same topic that that not surprised me but a little surprised me the answers didn't surprise me the results we got from our survey didn't surprise me at all since i am a woman i see this every day uh, but when presenting it to to other to to leadership to management the higher ups like the look of disgust on some of the, the males faces on the numbers which I thought wasn't that bad but they had never really thought about it that how many women experience things at the workplace and how uh, left outside they might feel and to see how surprised and appalled they were with with those numbers were uh, it was uh, I, I felt good about them feeling bad if you understand what mm. i mean but uh, that made it feel like okay i've reached through, through to you you now understand something that you didn't understand before just like you're saying mm. Thank you. Amazing. Anything you would like to add, Andreas? No, I want to thank you. Very, very good in, inputs and uh, and reflections on this. And uh, really, I'm getting inspired by this. Perfect. And then our final question, I'll go over to Nazreen. Would you like to introduce it? Yes. 
so I'm actually a strong believer that the more visible uh, women in tech are, the more that could inspire and encourage more women to join. Uh, actually, there was a very interesting study uh, called a, draw, a, a scientist study that was first conducted 50 years ago, I think. And uh, that was done with elementary school students in the US and Canada. Out of 5,000 students, only 28 draw a female scientist. That represented 0.06%. So when it was repeated within the same, let's say, similar group of uh, American students in 2018, the 0.06% went up to 24%. So after 50 years, we saw an improvement because 24% of the students draw a female scientist uh, back in 2018. Uh, that should be like something to celebrate. That sounded like a progress. But for me, that result, result pointed to how essential it is to raise the visibility of a female role model for girls and women. That also represents how important it is to keep on improving that. I mean, 24 sounds like a progress, but we are still far from 50% at that level. Uh, let me give you like a quick uh, example from my personal experience. I started my career in research, and as a researcher, I've been like um, involved in attending and giving talks at different conferences. Uh, I mean, that's part of the job of a researcher. When you have a, a, uh, when you have new research, you go out to conference and you present it. Uh, for me, that was like obvious at the time, and it was also a great opportunity to see other researchers and also to meet other women in research. But then, when I moved to industry, that was not part of the job anymore. I mean. I'm not required to go to conferences anymore. So I, I stopped doing it. it. It was not part of the job. And after a couple of years, I realized that I was missing to see other women in the tech industry. I mean, apart from my colleagues, who were very few, of course, I couldn't see other role models, other people that I can inspire by and that could inspire me. So late in 2020, just like, a bit more than a year ago, I took a challenge for myself, like a year resolution. Okay, I decided to become more visible. I started teaching product management at different university. I started speaking, so I went back to conferences after eight years of absence and I wrote blogs. So the, the interest out of this story is that I started receiving a lot of feedback, feedback from girls, students, women that actually are not sure about joining tech industry and that actually started to trigger them like asking questions can i get some of your time and i realized that 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 could help people uh, so the more i did it the more i got feedback and comment from those uh, like those people and as maya angelou said it so well each time a woman stand up for herself without knowing it possibly without claiming it she stand up for all women so this is like a great example to show that the, the more you do it even if you don't necessarily do it for other it helps other and i have another example for that like uh, uh, last year i was invited to give a talk at the university like a very basic university not a big deal and i was like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna give it and Six months ago, I had a one-on-one -on -one with a colleague who actually told me that at the time she was a student at that university at her final uh, year. And when she saw me giving a talk from Google, she took the courage to apply. Like she didn't really believe in, in the beginning in herself. So she applied just because she saw another woman being women working in, at Google. So she did the interview and she passed the interview and she was hired. And she told me explicitly I was a role model for her. Of course, like it's a bit annoying to hear that. Like I'm not a role model. I did nothing. I mean, I I almost forgot what I told during that conference or that event, but it it made an impact. So it's very important. Like uh, uh, as as women in tech, I consider myself an ambassador now for inspiring girls and women to join us and to try to make time. I always try to make time to accept opportunities. There is no good or bad opportunities. It's always an opportunity to reach other women so that they can uh, they can they can join the field and join the domain. 
perfect. Um, Andreas, what do you think about that? Yes, I think this is a super important topic and uh, something that I've seen for, for many years. I've been both in, in Bonnier News now and, and previously for many years at the Netlight Consulting, a Swedish consulting company. I've been working a lot around uh, gender diversity and uh, always had a focus on try to uh, yeah engage the engage the female uh, role models uh, in this um, because it has such an impact um, if i want to like if i add one perspective on this is that i've also seen that we need to be careful not like just to put all the work on women so like so we for instance, now in, in Bonnier News and also in, in Netlight, we talked that, I mean, for instance, if there is a, a women in tech conference, so there is a lot of preparation around this also. So trying to also engage men and, and uh, like uh, all others in the preparations that we really divide all the work between us in the organization, not that all women need to do all the work. And that's like, uh, yeah, looking at the distribution of the actual diversity inclusion group, and this is not only gender diversity, but it also all dimensions of diversity. The majority are women in the group, and that has been the same in my previous employment. And, and uh, when I meet other companies, like the distribution is the mostly female working with those topics. And I think that's something that we yeah, really need to engage everyone in this. But fronting women in conferences and for like university students and so on, I think it's super important. Uh, but we need to help on the side, everyone. Lovely. And then Jenny, any thoughts on any of those comments? Yeah, I, I uh, hear what you're saying, Nisreen. I've also been trying to put myself out there as much as possible to to be visible to others. Uh, for instance, going to student fairs, talking about the company I'm working in to show that there's actually women working at this company, they're working with tech, uh, even though I also feel like I'm not doing the most uh, uh, interesting work all the time, but just to show that I'm here, I'm working in tech, I've been here for, for more than 10 years, it's, it's possible. Uh, I have kids. I I have all of that, so, but I'm I'm still here, and I still feel it's a place for me. Um, and also, I uh, uh, not just for you as an individual to put yourself out there. I uh, always encourage everyone around in the company to like don't forget that we have women. Don't forget to put women out there. Have look through your your website your your company page like do we have women showing in pictures if we want to have more women like okay maybe we only have 20 percent women at the company but on the web page i always advocate for it to be like equal 50 50 men and women just so that um, people applying can see that there are actually women here i'm not alone if i'm a woman and applying or even if it's not just women we're talking about, but other types of diversity. Like you can see that there are all um, ages uh, or nationalities, that there's some, someone like me working at this company that shows that I I have a place in, in that company as well. So it's really important to work with all types of media uh, to, to promote that. And, um, but that that's uh, unwillingly being a role model. It, I agree that it feels weird at first, but then you get used to it. And it, it's the best feeling. I love that you had that experience, Nasrina, that, that a woman uh, coming up to you and telling you about it, because so often we might not hear about it after. Lovely. And then Moe, any other thoughts? Anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I mean, I can I can only agree that role models is super important um, and the communication is a big part of that um, to to, you know, yeah. To get these uh, uh, younger generations understanding that um, someone working in tech is not 
just white men, but it's it's a, such a more diverse um, range of people working in the field. Um, and I don't know if I'm a role model within the tech because I'm a social scientist. I, I, I study political science, uh, but I work with, with tech matters. So you do not need to have a technical background to work in the tech field. So for for startups and companies uh, building, you know, these kind of development teams that I was talking on, talking about in the beginning, you, you do not need to look only for programmers. You need to have a diverse uh, background regarding your, your expertise uh, in in a, in a team developing our new emerging technologies. So, I mean, that could be be a way of also expanding what what is a role model? <laughs> Uh, who who's who's uh, invited into the tech community in the tech field? What kind of knowledge is needed, and so on. But also, as uh, Andreas was talking about, it's very important to not just um, asking women to 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 lift other women. Uh, this is a responsibility that we are uh, are having or, or sharing together, and uh, it, it's. It's a systematic problem that we need to tackle from um, from various kind of of angles, and not just putting on individuals. Um, because I I understand that it can be very tiring for um, sometimes the few women or minorities being hired at a company to always be that kind of role model. Because what is that? What what is a role model for Andreas? What's a role model for for me? What is for for Jenny and so on? So really um, engage more. <laughs> more people than just the the women or minorities that are already in the field to to um, own this this need of of opening the door for more people. Lovely. I think we're all doing the right thing today. Then um, we're all being role models by talking about it and having this conversation. So thank you all for your great questions. Um, Nazreen, any follow up points from what's just been said? Uh, yes, I just wanted actually to add on top of what uh, has just been uh, added is that uh, like role models are not necessarily people who impress us. It's definitely different from impressing us. It's someone who we can map ourselves to. It's definitely something who inspires us. So many companies try to put like C-level women in the front so that we can see that there, there is diversity in the company. But uh, this is sometimes very hard for like mid-level or like entry level to really inspire them to, to, to join. It's very far away from their level. So role models should be at every level, not like yeah. a CEO or CTO or like C-level um, position. So in order to bring in more women, you need to have them on, on all levels. And it's definitely someone that can inspire you, not someone that uh, just impressed you by their role or their, like the prestigious uh, position they have. So uh, yeah, you are a role model, whether you like it or not. Uh, we are all role model to someone. There's always someone who's watching us, listening to us, or even perhaps modeling us. So it's great to be aware of that and uh, and uh, take care of what kind of role, role model we want to be. Amazing. I think that's a great point to end us on. Um, any other final thoughts before I round this up? No. Well, thank you so much for speaking today. I really enjoyed listening to this conversation and I hope that you've gained something from speaking to each other. And thank you to, for listening. Um, this has been another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Again, I'd like to thank everybody for participating today. And yeah, I'll see you on the next episode.